Hi there, welcome and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder and this is Learning to Fail. People are complicated. I meet a lot of complicated people when I travel. My guest today is Chuck Roy. Chuck is an actor, a comedian, and a professor of comedy at the Community College of Denver. I met with him in person during my recent trip to Colorado. He reveals a lot of great secrets during this interview. I would love the opportunity to study with Chuck. So, how do you like learning to fail? Have you learned to like failing, or do you fail to like learning? Whatever the case, thank you for listening. Please keep tuning in weekly and help us to reach more people by telling them. I love reading reviews on iTunes. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to rate our podcast and write a review of your own. It's free, but it's invaluable. Make sure you check out our website, ltfpod.com, and visit our Amazon page every time you buy anything online. By clicking on our link before you shop, you can support the podcast without spending a nickel of your own money. You can also drop a dime on our donation page. Every little bit helps. As always, the most important thing you can do is simply to listen to the podcast and inspire others to do the same. We encourage everyone to try learning to fail with or without adult supervision. Chatting with Chuck was one of the most enlightening conversations I've had in ages. He is a wealth of knowledge and sage advice. You're going to love his story and all the things he has to say. I teach comedy at the Community College of Denver, Go City Hawks. And uh, fall of 2018, I'll start teaching introduction to the entertainment industry. Really? How do you have that knowledge here in Colorado? Uh, well, I I moved here because uh, they have beautiful sunsets. They uh, had one of the best comedy clubs in the world and uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater. So uh, I wanted to do, I wanted to play Red Rocks. So I moved here. Uh, I played Red Rocks for 10 years hosting Film on the Rocks and uh, fired the comedy club because there was no raise in 10 years for Film on the Rocks. And I think it's ridiculous to play Red Rocks Amphitheater. How, how no big raise. is Red Rocks? Isn't that 9, where YouTube plays? Yes. And you were doing it's comedy the there? world famous. Uh, I was hosting a movie series, uh, a, a job which the guy said uh, was probably impossible and okay if I failed and for a 10-year run. Every so time, you did amazing. You every rocked time, it. Yeah, every time the guy, uh, every time we would renew, uh, he, he had to find a way to laugh at the idea of asking for a raise, which I wonder if he laughs now. I bring it up on a lot of podcasts. <laughs> sometimes I name him. Sometimes I name his clients. Uh, some of his clients are like the liberal Bernie Sanders type, and that's why I never trust those people, you know, the ones who are like, oh, you got to have a minimum wage, and then you ask them what they pay their opening acts. Uh, you know, do they pay taxes off all their T-shirt sales or do they hide cash? And, you know, then suddenly... They're like, hey, stop with all your probing questions, man. <laughs> Just feel the burn. Uh, so uh, you can Google. I mean, I go uh, on day one of teaching. I had a movie come out, uh, Ralphie May Filthy Animal Tour. Uh, uh, my resume included right at the top that I flunked out of the University of New Hampshire. 
uh, and became a comedian the next day. Uh, that's my story. Was, I was a young Republican actively working for the congressman who was putting together Pat Buchanan's campaign in New Hampshire all while I was coming out of the closet. So that wow. makes for one hell of an alcoholic. <laughs> and, uh, created a lot of uh, angst and uh, a funny comedian. And uh, it took me a long time to address all those issues on stage. Uh, I think I'm one of those guys who, uh, you know, 98, I was on Will and Grace as a popcorn vendor and uh, have always sort of been in and out of closet, say, on stage. Uh, it's not always my favorite topic to bring up. Uh, and then uh, I moved here wanting to be able to conquer the phrase boyfriend, like how to say boyfriend without an audience freaking out. And we're kind of there now. You, you're it's, there or the audiences are there? I think audiences are there. I've been yeah. there for a long time. But so you were ready you know. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, you I didn't know what you know. meant by conquer. I didn't know if it was an inner demon you were trying to conquer or trying uh, to— Outer, you know. I was very comfortable with who I was and came out on Boston stages in, like, 94. And um, you, you would try that kind of humor as far north as northern Maine and as far south as I could. And— Every one of my peers did everything they could to support that. And uh, it's just, uh, uh, man, people were really homophobic for a long time. Until yeah. Joe Biden said what he said, forced Barack Obama to come to the right side of history on gay marriage right before the 2012 election. That forced Jay-Z and the rest of hip-hop to, you know, embrace gay hip-hop artists and gay marriage and stuff. Uh, then you saw people, like, even in comedy, you could see someone like Carlos go from uh, saying fag on stage in a way that would make me groan to, uh, you know, doing hysterical lectures to the audience about, hey, you know, we can't say these words anymore. Kids are killing themselves, and that's not cool. We can't have get little gay kids killing themselves. <laughs> so, you know, when you have... People like Carlos Mencia, you know, moving that far on an issue, I think it's finally we're here. We're at a place where, you know, at this point, audiences don't really want to hear from a gay person about homophobia. You know, they're like, right. move on, hurry up, you know, get to something funny. And the presumption that an audience is homophobic is quickly going away. Like, you've got to build your act around the fact that the audience is like, yeah, move on. We. Like we, we get, get it. it. We're, we're cool. We're okay with you're it. Gay. That's awesome. Tell us about him. Is he nice? Does he yeah, love you? Yeah. You know. <laughs> when like, can we meet him? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's totally. Right. Yeah. It, it's so fast and it's great. And you know, that's like the kind of comedy I work on. And it's definitely what I teach uh, people to do. It's not. I don't. I can teach you how to write a joke, but more importantly, I can teach you how to bleed your heart, art, and soul out on stage and get to what you're truly trying to do. And that's all through, like, uh, certainly I have a bunch of skill sets, but I also study real hard to figure out how to be a great teacher. Like, that's, uh, if it was physics that I was teaching, I'd still be applying a lot of the same basic teaching skills that I'm studying and having success with. Like, I spend a lot of time, like, nerding out on how to do exactly what you're asking me. Like, how do you teach comedy? It's, I've got that covered. Yeah, I mean, you know what I love about that? I took it. I went to comedy school. All right. Um, I waited until I was about a year, a little over a year Where plus. Where did you go? At the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, great. I okay. live in Asheville, North Carolina. Right. So. Okay. But I, for, I mean, it was a two-hour commute. I drove. Everyone was like, "You're from Asheville," because that was the only person driving more than twenty minutes to come to class. Right. 
And but that's the only comedy class in range. And uh-huh. the guys who run it are the guys who book all the shows. Right. So at least they know who I am, for better or worse. Right. <laughs> Mostly for better. Um, they right. know, they know me. Yeah. And uh, you know they they make it real clear that taking this class doesn't you know guarantee you a spot. That's great. On the stage. That's great. Uh, but we're here to help you grow as comics, and we will help you even after you're that's done awesome. with the class. You know. And, that's awesome. And they're pretty good about it. I think know? that's the hardest part. Uh, I was asked to teach forever and uh i always felt like there was some sort of quid pro quo with it mm. and then i got this opportunity to teach at the college and it's like i i have nothing to do with who the students are they they have to register for the college just like any other right college student some of them are accounting students that are just there trying to get their an you easy, know, their an easy a. <laughs> uh, yeah i uh, i weed them out on day one i'm like uh this class used to be an easy A. It yeah. is now a serious comedy class. Week 13, they they perform sitcoms, and they have the choice of either the episode of Will and Grace or Third Rock from the Sun that I was on, you know. Uh-huh. So it's like uh, by the, I, they have access on day one to a two-hour tape from Ralph May that's out there on you can that's on vimeo you know so i i sort of i hand them a lot of information especially right up to the final cutoff day i'm like here's the you can exit this class now i've handed you everything i know about for free and right. so go if that's if you don't want to learn but if you do want to learn then i've got a lot of structured activities to like help you build your set and get gigs and we get students gigs that's uh uh, that's been the best part is like uh, every semester uh, somebody has moved from the dream and going, I I want to be a comedian. I have no idea how to do it to uh, we get them up on stage and they actually are still doing it, which is the best. That's part. so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know from my class. I don't know how many every, we st- the guys in my class. It was all men, which was rare, but you know, usually it's mm-hmm. one or two women. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, it was all men and. <laughs> There was a, uh, a – we all really bonded early on. Like right. the first night, the guy's like, y'all got to talk to each other. You know, you're going to be together for six weeks. Say hello. Stop sitting there quietly. He was kind of – you know, the guy who runs the classes, he's got a brusque personality. I like sure. him. I get along with him great. But right. but his personality is rough around the edges, and he'll be the first one to say it. Uh-huh. You know, and so he doesn't pussyfoot around. Right. You know, and – and uh, but it worked like we all exchanged phone numbers and emails and we just have this we still have this text string that every once in a while somebody will text something and then everybody will chime in and then oh great some time will go away you know and and I'm now running shows in Asheville and at some point I'm going to bring these guys up to Asheville to do my show oh that's awesome yeah that's awesome you know because I was amazed that, you know they came in some inherently funny people yeah some people who just wanted to put this on the you know, take it off the bucket list right but. When we did our show, everybody was funny. Like, right. These guys really helped everybody. Good training rank. should get you there. And yeah, that's but, why clubs offer it. Uh, I've, I've been on both sides of the whole, uh, do you do do you take comedy classes? Do people teach them? You, you know, the, the cool squad and the assassins are out there. And I encourage them, like those who want to stop people from teacher comedy like <laughs> make that your goal you know yeah. like tell me to stop because it's uh you know like i was uh, i'm a faggot comic uh I've, I've been told not to talk about that right. and let's see how that that did 25 years later i'm i haven't really listened to those kind of folks and to the people who say like man you can't teach comedy or you can't 
you shouldn't take comedy classes or anything. I'm like, well, tough luck. Uh, some people are going to want them, and some people can help you cut off a whole lot of time. That's and, the thing right there. And not the kind of time, like, they can help you cut off the kind of time you want to cut off, like time wasted, time doing the wrong thing, and they can get you to improve your amount of time, like time doing the right thing. So by uh, totally. going to the club the biggest club in your neighborhood and checking out their class and, and making sure it's worth your investment um trying to find out do they really connect you with the skills to to get on stage and practicing helps a lot of people yeah. uh yeah. it really helps you eliminate that panic of oh my god what happens if i forget well, he practiced. Right. So maybe even practice what happens if you forget. You, right. you, you know, uh, that's where a comedy class can really help you split the difference between having no clue how to turn, turn your ideas into really funny jokes. That's probably the biggest mystery for most students is uh, what to do with the material they got and yeah. how to get it to generate the laughs they want. And after that, people really have a lot of basic questions, which, again, a comedy class helps, like how to prepare or what goes on in a standard comedy routine. Uh, just a couple of things you can really help someone with, like uh, get there a little bit early and watch how people get on stage. Yeah. Really know, or be able to ask and practice walking on stage. If you've never worked with a microphone, trying to get there early and being able to practice. Um, calling ahead with some of these questions, you know, some folks will show up, you know, 15 minutes to go and they're like, wow, I want to practice. And you're like, well, <laughs> the audience is sitting there and they want to order their beverages. Yeah. No one <laughs> wants to hear you run through your set. Yeah, we have ambient <laughs> music playing. And, uh, you know, what I find in today's era is folks really want to achieve it as a bucket list item. Right. And I strongly encourage them to, to do it. I, I've met too many people after shows they're like, I've always wanted to try this. You should keep going. And you're like, well, I'm going to. And thank yeah. you for the encouragement. <laughs> but I hate the pain in your eye that you haven't tried this. Yeah. Like, like it's so uh, uh, when people talk to me about trying it, uh, I discover that they have made it out to be so terrifying. And uh, just a little bit of walking them through like, well, here's the reality of what new comedy is like. Like. If you don't like the idea of performing in a coffee shop or a bar room that's that's not full, then, then maybe you should avoid stand-up comedy. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I was going to say, maybe you should take first, my class because yeah, I'll get you into a better audience. Right, you know, your first year, it's it, no matter what you do, it's like you, you're not going to be able to play a comedy club every night of the week. No, you're likely true. to yeah. go out and hit open mics, and so you're going to end up trying to do skill building at places that might be less than desirable. And so if you don't have a strong passion for it, then, you, you know, I'm kind of one who just points out to you like, well, maybe once a year you organize an event right? and do your, you know, do your comedy. Cause that's the art. It's the art isn't about making money or a living. Those are some goals. A lot of people have, but really in general, the art is somebody has something inside they want to share they want to get laughs and, maybe they just need a little help learning how to create the opportunity. You know, a lot of comedians just started their own show. Right. And they can't believe that somebody would need help with that. And you go, well, some people just don't have that skill set. You yeah. know, so yeah. uh, this summer I've been 
off my website just trying to offer a series of workshops that are just geared at to trying to answer all the questions people have when they get started or after they get started like how to improve or how to get started beginning stand-up comedy and then how to organize your routine and those types of things i saw you do like a how to mc a show right yep. isn't that one of yours yep. how yeah. to mc how to heckle uh, how to handle a heckler uh those are popular requests for me like years ago when people are like man you should teach it's they, they, they suggested i teach how to mc I've, I've opened for a bunch of albums uh people's movies or their stand-up special uh i used to warm up for a tv show uh, i've got the science of which tv up. shows did you the, warm the up for? late late show with craig kilborn oh cool that's yeah. a good that's a good one but yeah yeah, yeah. it was a uh, uh I started real early and uh, I made an impact. People, comedians understood it. That, that, uh, it used to be a rough credit. And then I became the house warm up and you could get tape out of it, was what one friend said. He's yeah. like, man, now I can get tape out of here. Yeah. Which, you know, is, uh, that's a Hollywood thing. You, you know, the more places people can generate tape, it's, it's just better for the industry. You know, so uh, I've had that skill for a long time. and. It's one of those things, hosting a comedy show is a great way to get good at it. And so for new comedians, it's something I want to encourage them to think about is even if it's your first night, organize a comedy show and host it and see if you can't put other people on and provide them with some awesome opportunities to tell jokes too. It's That's where I think the art is headed. It just more home shows and uh, pop-up comedy shows and uh, the do-it-yourself movement. It's, it's certainly in full swing, and uh, I don't think it's going away. I mean, if you think about how far you had to drive to get to your a comedy club, right? comedy clubs are pretty much set where they are. You can Google it. Right, if, exactly. You know, they don't open a new one every day. So comedy clubs are where they are, uh, but Eventbrite, is anywhere a Google device will go. <laughs> so you can set up a comedy show right in your neighborhood and do the ticketing through Eventbrite. And that's, you know, off you go, uh, which is what I love about it. That's, yeah. uh, I think there's so many people from, I'm hearing from comedians like from Nigeria and such. And that's the, that's a thrill. Like you, you, you have people who wanna tell jokes they're in their neighborhood and you got to try and figure out how to coach them to success. And so they find the art in their own way. You know, I'm not trying to teach them how to become American comedians. You, yeah. you know, you want them to become, you got to figure out how yeah, they what, can become a Nigerian. Comedian. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, that is such a thrill. And I think that that's where comedians will sort of see the, the environment going. We, we might get a little, uh, competitive about it and you, you might see people go like oh you know make sure you hire only american comedians and i don't know that that's really gonna that's gonna fly <laughs> you, you most i, I make, make uh, sure you hire only funny comedians that's i would like, that's it you, you know, know. I, uh, I invited a friend from laugh boston to speak to my comedy class and he spoke about how they were having success with russian comedians and venezuelan comedians and mm. They don't come in and speak English. They come in and speak the native tongue, and the club sells out on an off night with a, a oh, right, crowd with a local full crowd, of immigrants. Right. And that's in your neighborhood. Figure it out. Who who are you, and how many people are? That's a fascinating join you? idea. I haven't and thought about that. It's a new. It's a whole new world. Yeah. I, I try to tell my students like, 
it, think about how many English speakers are out there and how do you use your little Googling device to get to them? Yeah. That's it. That's Look what you're doing to reach and build an audience. And uh, the smartphones are uh, connect. We've got a smartphone that ha uh, has the same Zoom microphone, you, you know. So, yeah, right. So pretty soon you won't need half of this gear and you'll be able to go take it 10 times further and create 10 times more. So you're... You imagine that in poorer countries, they're they're going to have more access to the tools to create comedy shows, and they'll be able to get right across to their audience. Like they won't need to create a studio or a comedy club; they'll just set up a Facebook Live, yeah, and uh, you know can find ways to get people to pay them for it. So if if you're not like I, I'm, I struggle with that kind of stuff, like Facebook and Facebook Live and all that. But if if you're not thinking that as a comedian, then uh, I'm trying to open up your eyes to it. Uh, like uh, I have students who they'll hit the open mics and they they definitely are doing their work. And uh, I'll point out to them they hit an open mic and the audience can hit the best ones here. There's a great one at a bookstore. It's an awesome bookstore. They've been putting my posters up for 15 years since I've been coming to Denver. So they're that always- cover? No, uh, Mutiny over on Broadway. Okay. But it's not as famous as the Tattered cover, but Denver's got that kind of a culture yeah. where there's a famous bookstore and then there are all, of course, like all the other bookstores that people like going to for coffee. And uh, this place finally got a comedy show going. And all the kids, you know, the hip kids go. And uh, my students went and- uh, one friend of a student put Facebook Live up, and uh, we did the math. The kid performed for 25 people, 14 of which were comedians. So he had a real audience of 10 strangers, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. people who had never seen him before, although the comedians had never seen him before. If he pursues, he's, he's going to keep bumping into those same people. Right, of over course. And over yeah, again. it's very, that's uh, the toughest part. Right. Yeah. But if he puts his little phone, if he puts his phone on a little stand and in the back of the room, he can perform to, he had 600 hits off the Facebook Live thing. Wow. So you, you really have to think as a comedian, I understand that I want to entertain the 25 in the room. You cannot forget those people. You really got to generate a whole lot of show for them, tons of guffaws, big comedy. But at the same time, you're going to want to be thinking about putting your phone somewhere in a place where you can get that thing broadcast and generate, you know, those those live streaming uh, Do you recommend that even like at such an amateur God, level? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even, really. I mean, I yeah. always recommend filming your set for yeah. you. I film everything of mine or at least record it if well, I can. At the but... dawn of VHS, would you really go back and tell a comedian, don't tape yourself? You, you know, well, no, at tape the yourself. Of... But I mean, as far as going live with that stuff. Right. I, you like uh, do not use last year's thinking about next year's technology. Use next year's thinking about next year's technology. People are live streaming. Your audience yeah. is going to want it, demand it. And so I, I understand the the grumbling of comedians going like, oh, I'm going to have to write all those jokes. Yep. And well, I, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. You know, it's like time to, and I, you know, not calling you a buttercup there, but, you know, no, it's no, like. No, uh, whatever you want. I don't care. Uh, I don't care uh, it, uh, it's it, the new age is, is live streaming. So, yeah, live stream anything and everything. Walk your audience through the journey. If uh, open mic is going to be terrible. Maybe tell them that's why you're not going to live stream. But, you know, live stream before you go. 
uh, live stream when you get out there or live, you know, live stream uh, build, after a, talk about how it build a live stream based on the fact that like, watch me eat some shit, everybody. I'm going to the nightmare lounge. Uh, yeah. it, 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 that is, you can argue like folks, folks are welcome to weigh the opposite, but, uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think Facebook's going away. And I don't think Twitter's going away. Right. Uh, after that, uh, Instagram, you know, is going to have to stick it out. It probably has the, the ability to stick it out. Well, Facebook um, owns them, so right. they're kind you of know, the so same thing. They're kind of complimentary. Yeah. Uh, you can watch how the live streaming tools of some rose up, failed, and disappeared. Mm. But that the, the certain amount of companies are still around, and Facebook and YouTube are still sticking with this concept of live streaming. And um, the next comedian starts tomorrow always there's mm. always someone starting tomorrow and they have no obligation to follow our old rules that's why the rules just going to change on a new basis every day some of the old rules won't go away be incredibly funny be hysterically funny be so funny your guffaw is full of funny after that uh, you know I, I would strongly urge new new comedians to think about uh, how to live stream constantly really constantly. Right. i'm gonna really take that look to at heart the grateful because... dead look at the grateful dead the grateful dead had uh all the like we, we look at all this podcasting equipment and if you went to a grateful dead show in the 60s 70s or 80s you know it, it, I went to, in, the, in the 60s 80s. i'm not sure when they started letting tapers out there but well into the 80s and definitely by the 90s there's a whole section where they're letting people tape their stuff right. and put it out there. Yeah. And they had the largest following. Nobody usurped the commerce, the capitalism, the economics of the Grateful Dead. Nobody. Right. So the, the, econ the, the, the real econ economics of it tell you, put your stuff out there. Joe Rogan, uh, for over 15 years, has had a camera operator at the side of him. It doesn't mean all the content was going out there, but... He's been on a long time investigation of what to do in order to entertain audiences on the internet. And you can see the results. His podcast is, you know, yeah, it's, it's unrivaled yeah. and it's, everybody else is copying, you know. And it's, uh, you know, I think these things present challenges and I hear all the noise, you know, but uh, I, I don't think. I don't think Joe is wrong to, to, you know, to be investigating the Internet like it is. And I think folks, you know, can look at these things and go, all right, how do I not stick to these old rules? It's, especially when I moved here to Denver, I witnessed how firm old school headliners could be in slamming down rules like you know, they would holler at me over the idea of me saying, like, put your old stuff out there on YouTube. Because the real secret was they were like, well, I don't want to have to write new stuff. And you well, you hear the audience feedback. They're saying over and over, they're tired of coming to the comedy club and watching people do the same stuff. Right. And pre-internet, headliners were totally convinced they could do the same stuff over and over again without penalty. Uh, I'm a grassroots guy. I, I would... When I moved here to Denver, I would listen to audiences after the show, and it was clear that there was a problem. Old school headliners were getting on stage all the time doing the same old stuff, and the audience was going, 
were not into it. Uh, I started a new show, a named a bunch of new comedians uh, that weren't on a particular list. And, you know, it's 15 years later. That's Ben Roy, Adam Caton Holland, Andrew Orvidal. They're the Growlicks. They're on that new show on True TV. They, they define creating new material all the time. So they sort of proved out that that next generation was just going to be about having new material all the time. And you're headed to another new generation. You, you know, the, the, there's been a technology shift. You, this, the live streaming is happening and it's totally going to benefit comedy. And, you know, if you're a young comedian that's struggling with building an audience, I, Add that Facebook Live quotient to your show, and your Tuesday night at Bob's Pub can have that opportunity to broadcast to 5,000 people, 500 people, 5 million people. There's no what? reason you can't do that out of, you know, Lenny's Taverna out in Poughkeepsie, you know, uh, or uh, Nigeria. There's no reason those comics from Nigeria can't build an audience and make people go like, you know what I do? This is weird, but so, I, I tune into this Nigerian comedy yeah. show once a month. Uh, I, I think that's, I, I don't see that going away. I really like, I, I kind of see it as the next step. So when, what happens to those videos after 24 hours Does a live video disappear or does it remain? No, I think they're going to stay and you're going to want them to stay. Get yeah. your whole catalog, show people your growth. Uh, you, you know, what will also improve is the level of technology that shoots specials and the level of technology that delivers specials. So Netflix has the job of remaining on top as far as comedy specials goes and delivering those in a quality that makes the home entertainment audience go, I want to pump my money into Netflix. Right. And and that means, you know, that the odds of your smartphone being able to pull off that level of technology ever is it's it's going to be incremental. Whatever that technology is, is going to get smaller and be able to be computed faster to the point where it'll get driven down into your smartphone. But then people are also going to have the need to create big movies like action movies. You know, those are not going to go away. So right. camera technology is always going to improve you're going to see you know what the 3d camera the 360 degree camera and then those things are all getting smaller so they'll hit your smartphone and you'll see new comedians coming in and mastering those new technologies in a way to deliver them i it doesn't mean you have to keep staying technology savvy but being able to stay open-minded and adapt your act in order to as a be a guest on you know that's my right. plan as an old man it's like uh i don't want to have to keep remaining on the cutting edge of all these technologies but i do want to remain relevant enough so that you know the next generation is going like will you be a guest on our whatever you know, cast. yeah like <laughs> our, our hologram yeah <laughs> i i can't wait to be a guest on your hologram i i tease but it's i'm if you, you go to my comedy 101 website it's comedy101.chuckroy.com and you'll like as it grows you'll see the your logo here intergalactic school of business uh, uh it's uh, my business skills classes right are not for comedians who, you know, who aren't thinking anything but interplanetary. Like, never mind the global <laughs> comedian. If you're 20 and doing comedy, 
you're likely to live to a hundred. Hal Sparks has great comedy routine about it, like right. how Harvard is studying it. The young people are going to live longer to over 100 years old, maybe 200 years old. And so if you're going to live to be 200 years old, chances are you're going to be able to either purchase, you know, a trip to the moon or Mars. Right. And that's going to be done on a cruise liner. And there's likely to be a casino, just like any cruise ship. And there's likely to be a comedy club. And therefore, um, I want you know, one of my comedians be one on it. I'd like to be on it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know so if I'm going to live that long. But if you're not thinking that broad, technology is moving fast, uh, you know, and that uh, if you're planning on lifetime of comedy, like, I wouldn't deny yourself that uh, we're definitely heading to the point where people are going to be intergalactic. That's fantastic. I had not... I just... I smoke pot too, you know. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about any of that stuff. Well, you know, I I do, and yeah. it's uh, this week. Uh, the dean of my college is asking me to think about competencies. You know, so on a college level, that's what we think about: is what are the skills that you need. And so, my research this week is trying to figure out what are what are the industry and industries that are trying to hire people in the entertainment industry. And I'm looking to, I'm, I'm hunting for this white paper by the Dean of USC, uh, where he's saying there's a $1 trillion skills gap that, that the future of people in the entertainment industry, they are not skilled in certain skill sets like strategic thinking um, and creative problem solving and uh, that they need that kind of training. I think that's some kind of bullshit. You know, I'm like, come on, problem solving is the skill. What about writing a joke? Do we have enough joke writers trained? You know, is really where I think about it. Uh, but at the college level, it's like we're always trying to figure out like – how are we going to get them jobs? Therefore, what do the people who are hiring the jobs want? And, right. and so uh, I think an awful lot about what are those skills, and it's not in a short-term thing. Uh, you know, comedy isn't something that you can learn in a minute and apply that for a lifetime and be gold. You, you know, you're going to keep learning, and you're going to keep fixing your act. That's they call it honing an act. Right. Uh, so uh, once people understand that secret, that it's nothing gets solved instantly. You're just always trying to do some problem solving in comedy. And you, you can look at it a new way and go, well, as, as opposed to having anxiety over problem solving, you can go, well, that's it's going to be a fun part of the journey. Like I'm, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to try comedy and succeed, you know, set, establish a couple of goals. So if people put it on their bucket list, then, you know, perhaps this conversation can inspire them to go from it being a bucket list item to like, well, I'm going to get it done. Right. If other people are like, well, I've always wanted to figure out how to try, you know, you, you don't even have to sign up for my classes. You, I've got some free articles out there. There's plenty of free. John Roy has a killer article that you can Google out there on Tumblr with a whole free comedy class training. So mm. there, there's you can definitely teach yourself the skills and build yourself the, the the solution to get some comedy going and get yourself in the field. And then I'm one who's like, man, think long term. Like, because if you fall in love with it like I did, you won't be stopping at any point. Right. You'd be doing it forever. And so if that's going to be the case, like, 
go with that and then feel free to be prepared like enjoy starting to prepare for that like uh you know enjoy acting classes anything like that because it's all stuff you get to use as a comedian yeah i've been realizing like i i would really benefit from taking an acting class like i right. i think that is missing from my stage life you know it's right. just, just the act outs you know i mean I do them, but not enough, you know, right. and, I, and in my head, I feel like, oh, man, I'm really acting tonight. And then oh, I'll good. watch the video and I'll be like, I'm still kind of in a limited square footage on the stage. You know, I'm just got like, you. Got you know, you. It's, it's always bigger in my head than it is because I, I video most of it. And, oh, you good. Know, and uh, um, and I audio when I can when I can't video and. You know, I at least listen to it every time. Right. Know? And it's amazing how you're like, oh, they really love that joke. And then you listen back to the tape, you're like, well, that was okay. Right. You know? So those instant assessments are awesome. Uh, the question I would have then is over a, a three-month period, do you feel like you've improved your acting? Well, your I don't know about my, act, my, I don't act know. my acting. Like that's or, still say a, your act. If, my once act you, outs, yeah. No, once I you, you mean, set yeah. the goal, yeah. that, the next step as a teacher, it's like, well, we build a bunch of skills. So you've you've you figured out the skills to do. Hit the open mics and try to act more in right. your bits. Record them and watch and evaluate. Did you do the level of yeah, acting gonna, that you I'm, succeeded? And then yeah. uh, uh, ask yourself, where would you want to be? in 30 days, 90 or a year. And then, then you can start measuring, uh, right. a, a fun story. Like at the start of last semester, right before the day before classes, I attended a faculty meeting. Our department is doing something called program development. So we're measuring particular goals and our students meeting the goals and what, what's happening. So the music department is doing a particular measurement of a student's satisfaction. Are the students competent at the end of a particular class? And so the professors assess the student and then the students self-assess. And it's, what's pretty common in education is the students come down harsh on themselves. And mm. so the professor is like, well, I'm the one with the knowledge. I know how the piano should sound at this level. And here's right. how you sound. You compared on this chart of criteria and students are just like, wow, I'm not, you know, Jimi Hendrix and I've been playing this guitar for 16 weeks. Right. Damn it. You, yeah. you know, so uh, I, I, the first day of class I had, uh, I had asked Adam Kate Holland to come on in and uh, it, it, the best two parts, he's written an article when he first started doing comedy, he wrote for the local newspaper. He wrote this killer article about your first days in comedy. So I got this, I remembered it, and I got this, I have like five copies in my personal library. It was so good. I wrote a letter to the paper and they printed my little, just one, right. one line review going, nailed it essentially, you know? And I was like, wow, what if students read this article 15 years later, it, it's essentially, here's a guy who drank PBR in the same places you're going to go drink PBR. And he told jokes in those places, and he wrote an article about what it's like. Right. And every, you can follow his writing journey. You can follow him through Google, and you can watch him on his TV show now and decide, did he succeed at the dream of deciding I want to become a comedian? And I think he did. So uh, I, I bring him in, and uh, I just want him to – sort of validate the article and, and talk about, like, how did he go from being at that article to uh, the current TV guy? And uh, as he steps in the door, a student turns to me and goes, I binge-watched him all summer. 
So, uh, no, you really. know, I was nice. thrilled. Like, I'm like, nice. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. You, you got through. Yeah, like you, now it's not you're getting comedy advice from Chuck Roy. You have a TV star that you think is really cool sitting right in front of you, going like back of the class, here to observe your comedy. And then uh, Adam spoke for a bit, and then he watched the students perform, and then we had like a whole Q&A. And it, I, I told him what the music department professor had found, and I'm like, at the end of 15 weeks, what can these students expect? Like, what should they be like at the end of a college class? He's like, well, we have a final exam comedy show that they perform on, and he's like, a, a few clunkers is okay. And I watched as the posture just changed. All of the students, like the pressure just eliminated. And now they understood the expectation and goal. They had vision on right. the finish line. And it was not as far as they thought. You know, in other right. words, they thought they had to run a marathon. And he's like, 100 yards, sprint, and you can walk. And if you fumble, and if you stop, and you need a break, go right ahead. Right. Take some water. Just get to the finish line. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, it was... Uh, it, like the kind of thing where as a teacher you go now I've got a measuring stick and so for the rest of the semester I was able to say like when students would panic and they're like oh this isn't as great as it's supposed to be I'd be like try your freaking joke who cares if it doesn't work right Adam said, like, you could have a clunker so you're passionate about this topic you really want to tell this joke try it and we'll see like what if it if it flops it flops you know and it was the kind of thing that I think yielded a whole lot of success, it's the type of stuff that I'm bringing back this semester. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, I like to share because I think people always wonder, like, how how do you do this thing of teaching comedy? And it's like, well, I guess we just give away some of the secrets a little bit at a time yeah. <laughs> and in an order that you might need them. You know, there's no reason to tell you how to do The Tonight Show on day one. You know, it's just the reason to tell you, like, you can think about how to do the tonight show from day one and then work towards it and you know you'd be lucky if you get there but it's you're going to be on the same process as everybody else who tries to get on the tonight show they go from you, you know having yeah. never done comedy to getting to an open mic and trying and then constantly working on their act and improving it until they you know get there yeah i know it's um I've started the, the show that I'm producing now in Asheville mm -hmm. is called Talk About Funny, and it's a combination showcase talk show. Oh, great. And so it's, you know, I, I curate the talent. And awesome. I'm, and I'm pretty careful about who I bring, not uh -huh. just in terms of quality, but also diversity. Like, I'm really adamant about having at least one woman on the show, ideally one oh. person of color on the show. Oh, that's great. You know, different age comedians on the show. Right, so that, right. So that no, not just because people aren't stepping on each other's material, but mm -hmm. just so that, you know, there's diversity in the world and diversity in comedy, and I want to try and express that on my show. Right. And in Asheville, it's hard because Asheville's white, white, white. Really? You know? I can't oh, imagine. Yeah. Asheville's super white. Yeah. I mean, there are there are. How people far is it from Hickory? An hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you ever had Reapers? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. John Reap. Oh, yeah. Well, he's playing at the Orange Peel, which is a pretty big venue. Yeah. It's a four hundred person venue. He's playing right. in August at the Orange Peel. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's a big show. I mean, we did last comic together, and then oh uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won the year I was a semifinalist. He, he, great guy, and yeah. I'll, I've been trying I'll to try watch to connect all you. the. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, please do. Is he living in Hickory, or is he? I believe so. I'm assuming, the, uh, I'm assuming he lives in. No, I think he splits his time. I think you know, 
I think he's, from what I gathered, he's spending some time in Hickory, which is, you know, uh, some people are family types. You yeah. know, that's where his family's from. No, I know so that. I know that. But it's Hickory like, is uh, like, I, have you been to Hickory? No, I've only it's heard all the Pretty jokes. limited. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you know, uh, yeah, I doubt I do my big gay show at uh, the Downtown Hickory Theater. But you know, <laughs> Actually, I the Downtown would. Hickory like, Theater like, might welcome you, but outside right. the Downtown Hickory Theater, uh, right. you might want to get know. straight into a limo. Sure, sure. sure. You know, but he, 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 Reapers is the kind of guy who, he's like one of those good senators of comedy. It's like, you know, he will refer people, he'll you know, he'll help people. He'll, he's a good kid, so I, I'll try to connect y'all. He might oh, even try you. to do your show. That'd be really cool. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'd love the, to. The podcast, especially, you yeah. know. Is... Oh, I mean, if, yeah, if he wanted to come do my talk about funny show, that'd be off the hook. Right. But getting me on the podcast would seem a more reasonable ask. Yeah, I think that's um, you know, a popular thing. He's welcome on the talk show. You know? Right, right. Uh, but I would I would be shocked, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, of course, why not be shocked? But uh, I'll even, you know, since it's like, I like giving out comedy advice, it's like, swing the bat and ask nice. Yeah. Uh, if you're, the strategy, like this year, I, I I explained to students like how to send an email to get a gig. And it's the only time I've ever seen students get their notebooks out and really and write, write down, down yeah. what I was saying. And it's just yeah. one sentence, not two. You know, so if you're trying to email your favorite comedian and ask him for a piece of advice or to, you know, get them on your podcast or anything, it ain't a paragraph and it ain't anything more than just one sentence, a link that works, and maybe, you know, three bullet points of why they would, you know, follow up or, or do what you're doing. But so many comedians, it's like we, we're in this social media world too, where we've got to be out there doing yeah. podcasts. So, you know, I'm sure you have uh, fans and followers who might have their own podcast and, you know, might be listening going like, well, I'd be nervous about it. Email and reap. No way. You know, no, I'm like, shameless. I'll, I'll email yeah, anybody. I think it's, um, uh, but your advice you know, about keeping it short is something that I need a lot of help on. One sentence, like yeah. just one sentence. It ain't two. And then a link and uh, I study universal design and on campus, like how to teach to people with disabilities and such. Uh, and it's just in general, like how to communicate effectively to people of any ability. One sentence, uh, you know, if you can, this gets hard in technology, but uh, attaching your hyperlink to the word, as, you know, like putting the title of your video. Yeah, say, that's not hard. I can do that. Bob Thomas. Yeah demo reel as opposed so to you don't sending have a bunch of jargon like youtube.com yeah. slash hbxtltary yeah. <laughs> uh, if a person is on a sight reader or a, a reading device then you're annoying them by sending yeah and uh you know that goes back to having to learn how these smartphones and devices work it's uh you, you don't know who's reading and is it their car reading the email to them Right, you, you right, know, right. And yeah, right, so right, 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 and it's one, just like listing one short email, and maybe you get in that tour because they're in their car, they're not at a moment where they want to be solicited to by someone who screws up and sends them that long email with the paragraphs of their life story and how they're the biggest fan and blah 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 blah. You nailed it because you were like, hey. Would you please watch my video? Here it is. Or would you please be a guest on my podcast? This is the available day, time, and I'm done. And no. their car read it to them, and they're like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, why not? I can, I can respond via my car, and I'm <laughs> using my new car responding gadget. So great. You, you know, that's, it's not up to you to tell the audience where they are. Where they are. 
in the social media internet age mm. anymore. The audience is wherever they want to be, and they just want to tune into Facebook or whatever their social media of choice is and connect to you live. And you have that thrilling job of going like, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to do that. And I think it's impossible. It's really hard. It's just really, really hard. And, you, you know, I don't know... Other than I think collaboration, I think I think the next generation of comedy is about learning how to work with others so that you can get bigger things done. Mm. It's we've maxed out on who can use Facebook and Twitter in order to be famous. Those right. people exist. The next ones are on the way, but the next skill set is more than likely how to collaborate, work together, and you know get things done effectively so you can build your touring, you know, your touring show and. Get out of Dodge, wherever your version of Dodge is. Uh, well, that's the thing about my talk about funny show is that's a show I can take on the road. Like I'm going to bring it killer. to Denver. Nice. You know, I talked to Terry about. It. She's like, oh, I'm already thinking of who to put on your first panel. Yeah, you know? and, yeah. And, and uh, so my goal with that show is I'm developing it in Nashville, and I'll right. continue to do it in Nashville out of respect for the place that helped me develop it. Right. But my goal is to take it on the road. So I'm not just showing up in Denver and being like, Hey, can I do 10 minutes at Sushi High? Right. You know, it's like, Hey. I, I plan months in advance and we're promoting it. We do a show that features local comics and then talk about funny becomes something that comedians look forward to the day that it comes to their town and exactly. they get to be on it. Exactly. So. I, I thought that was going to be the way things would work uh, ever since I've you know been conceiving of, say, YouTube series and how they would tour. I used to do like episodic series on YouTube. So you can check like the crop report. Uh, ben Roy is in those and is hysterical as Bill Snapwell. Uh, it was a pot news comedy uh, and very fun. Uh, and in those days I was sort of imagining a, like a variety show. And I predicted the pattern that comedians would take. Like you, you're, you're essentially doing what you're saying. Like I've got this show and it's coming to your town right. on this one night only. And so the night before, you're playing the town 500 miles away, right. you know, uh, or less, or one plane flight plus travel time away. You, there's only 24 hours in a day. I know. So there's travel time, and that's real. You, you know, so essentially you're playing town one, town two, town three. And on uh, night one, you're like, tomorrow I'm playing that town. And you have time to practice your jokes about tomorrow, you, right, you know, yeah. that town. And the next day you're in that town and you can try your jokes and you also have the opportunity to go, last night I was in you right, know, you town number one town, yeah. and you're, you've got town number three coming up. So it, 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 the way it, it, comedians will sort of be thinking in this, in this future world of entertaining via live stream is, you know, you'll be predicting that kind of comedy and how can you change the joke each night? You, you mm. might know that in town number one, on night number one, you might joke about different kinds of pizza in each town. Uh, and then night number two, you might play off the same stereotypes. Town number one is a hick town. Town number two is the liberal city with the snowflakes. And town number three is whatever. You, you, you know, you're essentially assigning like what topics am I going to write on? And then trying to change maybe some themes or, or what stay constant, but changing punchlines throughout the, uh, your short little tour is one strategy to be able to stay live, you know, have new jokes every night and, uh, you know, make it entertaining for each group. Uh, right. 
So, uh, yeah, that's I'm, I think it's daunting, like what uh, these things like live streaming are bringing on to us. And then it's it's also a joy. Like, thank God I don't have to do my old act every night after night, you know, night right. after night. Uh, like the real kings of comedy, the Carsons and Leno's and Letterman's, uh, they they would do a new routine every night. And yeah. Of course, they had 25 writers. Tough luck. You know, like we won't have that privilege. Right. But uh, our future competition has no clue that that might be tough. You, you know, so they're just going to take on the challenge and meet it. They're, they're just going to show up, connect their little phone. And, you know, suddenly, you know, I don't think we're years away from somebody pulling off, you know, pulling a million visitors or viewers to their silly little open mic in God knows what little town, you, you know, just why not? Yeah, you've inspired me to want to do that. Like people, yeah, think about it. Like for your town, all you got to do is fill your venue, right? And then after that, you you, you have uh, it's a bandwidth problem. You have only so much bandwidth, and right. then you have that many viewers that are able to join. And then on demand and online, people are able to come in twenty four hours a day at their time, anytime. Yeah. So uh, it, it's. I hope that's what comedians are thinking about for the future, because uh, the audience loves this stuff. My friends keep asking. They're like, when can we see a video? Show us a video. Like, I'm always announcing I'm performing, and they're like, video, please. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you're going to have to wait till I come to your town. But that sounds like the old way of thinking, according to you. Uh, to me, I think yeah. it is. Like, right. well, you know, I'm like, kind of, it'd be like, why don't you send them a VHS? You know, <laughs> uh, you just pull out your Betamax sizzle reel. It's, uh, uh, you're as good as your last YouTube video at this point. It's, yeah. uh, and, uh, I've got some terrible YouTube videos out there that I, I still just am not willing to pull because it's like uh, you can, as a fan, you make the decision. Do you want to watch a YouTube video or not? Do you, you know, and so uh, there's people who just want to watch my set from the improv in Arizona from 2012 that's out there. And I'm, you know, not pleased with the audio quality, not pleased with the video quality. I know that's why certain people stop watching it, but I also know that other people have watched it all the way to the end and sent, you know, feedback and sort of loved it. And I, I, I have that same old habit of not wanting to put tape out there and everything. And it's, it's just a new day, like embrace it, enjoy it. And then have fun delivering it. Um, what kind of tape would you put out there if you could? Well, I've so I've I've like I said, let's say I film, you know, sixty percent of my shows or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and if I have a big show, I bring multiple cameras and good cameras, and I do it right. Right. Uh, and I have been known to edit those down and either. Uh, I mean, I try not to skip anything, but I mean, if I have multiple cameras, I try to use the angles so right that right so that one you want smooth production yeah. and you definitely can cut and trim yeah, yeah. Oh. um but uh you know the thing that it so what so what i've done is I've, if i if a night has gone particularly well mm -hmm. then i'll put it on my website right because i'm sending people like you to my website to check out my work and uh -huh. i don't want you're not going to be happy if you're wading through 50 Facebook live videos right? and you don't know which one's actually worth watching. Right. And then, you know, you're seeing me hit and miss because you're watching me grow as a comedian. That's all well right. and good, but right. that doesn't belong on my... Sure. My so that, you know, that's a different process. Yeah. That's organizing your videos and putting them somewhere where they need to be, yeah. you know, so... 
creating an effective website, well, you're, you're right. You're only going to want to put your best videos up there. Uh, so managing your YouTube so that you have a playlist of your prime audition reels and that, ensuring that that's the most popular one. But, and you can decide after a show, I'm not going to post that or I'm not going to Facebook Live that. I just I prefer people consider it. You know, yeah. um, instead of us as an industry trying to pre-poo-poo anybody who comes along that is willing to Facebook Live every night, I, I want them to hear encouragement out of me, you, you, you know. Well, what, what I'll tell uh, you what I like about it, because um, I have a lot of backlog of video that needs to be edited. Mm -hmm. And the farther away I get from it, the more I've developed as a comedian, the less I even want to bother. Right. And so that makes the expense, time and money that I put into filming it kind of wasted. And except that I'm kind of have this fantasy that I'm building a documentary film about my decision to become a comic at 46 years old. Uh -huh. So it's, so I like having this archive of footage. Right. So for that project, which I do hope I do one day, you know, um, I'm building up the archive that would be priceless that a documentarian would have to, you know, like, how am I going to get this? How are we going to, right. How right. are we going to, how are we going to pretend that you're still, that you're learning now that you're five years in, 10 years right. in, and you're, you're good enough now. To, right. You know. Um, so, so I'm, that's one reason for doing it. But what I what I really like about the Facebook Live thing is you shoot it, it's done. You know, yeah. it's like you you hit the button and it's it's over. It's out there, and you're, there's no temptation to do t time consuming post production that is also taken away from future joke writing. Yeah, at no point have I mentioned post production. Like it just it's Facebook Live. No, and I know you have. You know, I'm it, saying it, that's the that's so the upside. To me. The, the the and I hear you that. Because I'm one of those people who like I love editing videos. I love making a nice, smooth video. I'm looking at the whole new Adobe suite, you know, and like, all right, how am I going to do this? But it's uh, that's an old way of thinking, and it's it's not going to go away. Creating your sales tape, your sales reel, having a video that uh, summarizes what you're doing, having a great, you know, something from shot that was a special that broadcasts on a network. Those are all the things that are likely to remain outstanding criteria. It just, you, the Facebook Live thing is a new tool. And maybe for you, the thing, and for folks like you or myself, yeah. is to is think, all right, I, I had this, uh, I, I relate a lot when you're like, uh, I wanted to create this documentary. There was a reason I shot all this footage. Yeah. There was an expense. And maybe you're at the point where it's like, uh, walk away from that for a second and think about how you would want to edit it now. And what would you do with the camera if, it, if the goal was just creating Facebook Lives for the next year, right? You know, so that's not to take away from any of the professional shooting in order to generate the professional video and to keep documenting and keep that documentary thing going. It might be okay right now to say like, well, for now I've assessed that going back and editing all that documentary footage may not be worth what I want to do. Right. You know, it, totally fine to yeah. to have started the project and then come to the conclusion later like, well. Mm -hmm. It's not what I wanted. And to look at Facebook and go, all right, what will I do? And, and give it a six-month thing. Go, go, what can I do to try Facebook Live for, for six months 
and then assess what would I want to do with the the new data. So if you Facebook Live yourself once and then go through that experience, did you enjoy it? Did, did it deliver any art that you liked? Did people like it? Did, did the people who ask you, when am I going to see video? Uh, and if the comment is just so simple as video, please, right, you know, yeah. maybe they're getting a little frustrated, you know. <laughs> and so are, are you satisfying those customers? Did right. posting a little bit of you, you know, going to an open mic that you you like or a venue that you like and posting your camera in the back and going, OK, everybody, I'm going to try this tonight. Here we go. And it, it, then ha going through the whole process, uh, yeah. waking up the next day and going like, do I feel like I raped myself or am I OK? You right. know, that's all legitimate. And the the thing behind education is to give yourself something to measure your success by. So the the first piece would be to try the Facebook Live in the first place. And right. so if it goes up. Well, that was success. You, you you put it out there. After you evaluate it, if your artistic feelings go like, man, I hate this. It just, just doesn't feel right. Then that's your assessment. Right. And adjust from there. Uh, decide if you're going to continue Facebook Live or not. But uh, don't stop yourself by imagining you know the solution without going through the process of trying it. it, it you know, so... Uh, one thing for someone like yourself and someone like myself is to be considering like, what am I going to tape and put out there in professional quality tape? Right. And what do I want to do as far as Facebook Live goes? My friend Steve McGrew does noodle chat. He, he just literally holds the camera out and goes like, all right, y'all, time for noodle chat. And he sits and eats a bowl of noodles with his audience and talks to him. And sometimes he'll facebook live before he goes on from his green room and the amount of green room tours i have set and watch has got to be four five and i would never ever in my life think that i would be watching someone show me their green room and he's just like genuinely entertaining about it and genuinely trying to just be like okay y'all Here's my, uh, look, we got a trash can and they got a water fountain in here and they put out some nice coffee. Okay. And you go, man, that green room is, I've had a green room at Red Rocks that they called Chuck Roy's green room. You know, it like ancient rock as a backdrop, <laughs> you know, and, and I never thought in my life, like I should videotape from right. here. And it turns out those are the things the audience wants to gain a little bit of access to. So you can think about maybe is that where you want to entertain people? And then I, I definitely think your live show. Like So in the middle of if you're just going to record a set and maybe want to edit it the next day, but you don't want something that involves a lot of post-production, then you can assemble something that has a title card, a title that stays the same or changes every time and a theme to it so uh, you could do current events jokes real easy right trump is doing something every 48 minutes so <laughs> if trump is the guy you write about like those jokes are not going to be in your special they're not going to be around a year from now i don't care about your iraq war joke you know right. so get rid of it get rid of it the, those kinds of jokes are the things if you're great at writing news jokes then have some new ones and go to the open mic with them and go, all right, folks, I'm going to bring these jokes. Maybe they're going to work for the weekend. Uh, if you're regularly working comedy clubs on the weekend and you're wondering, how can I get Sorry. good at this Facebook Live? Then m maybe you're taking 
you, you know, if you're a John Reap, you're dropping in at an open mic where people are, holy cow. It's, you know, right. you, again, everybody always has that job of creating new material constantly. So for some people, if you're super famous, then dropping in at the Laugh Factory is your version of an open mic. And I know. you right. have the same skill and you can decide do you want to go back to the sound booth put your phone on a little set of mini tripod and turn record on or turn live on and then it, 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 whatever your options are if it's just getting to the local open mic or just getting to your mirror and going like would this bit work i'm thinking of trying comedy right. it can become a great facebook bit just by you know giving it a, a routine pattern and going like all right um I'm going to go to Whiskers open mic tonight and try three brand new jokes. You know, come see me live. And if folks tune in and you forget the third joke, then be silly or funny or honest about it and go like, dang it, I tried. I forgot. Uh, I'm going to go back and look at my set list and go back, turn off my camera and tune in next week. I'm going to try this again at Whiskers open mic. Uh, if you're new, you know, I don't know that the, the, the next few years is going to be about like trying to hide the fact that you aren't polished. It m might be really cool and inventive to build an audience of going like, watch me get better. Right. I, I, yeah. it, it's uh, I put it this way to people. You know, I'm a gay comedian that does not want to be I'm not dying to be famous. So uh, I've built things like a blog uh, and in on the back end and the SEO, it's like the blog just exists for people who are Googling gay bear comedian. And that's if, if you think about who that audience is and when they come from outside of this country and if they come from a place where freedom isn't necessarily the thing and gay rights are non-existent, then they're looking for a comedian. To, to make them laugh about something that right. I can make them laugh about. And they might come from a country that I'm never able to go visit. And so my goal in life is to try and learn how to entertain them for the rest of my life. You know, we may never be in the same showroom ever, but I may be able to entertain them for the, you know, the rest of my life by providing YouTube videos or funny blog posts or, or whatever. And... I think that's any comedian can think about that. Like you don't have to have some weird stereotype, right? You know that, that, that there are parades over. You can just be a person <laughs> and go uh, like I talk about knitting, and build yourself a, a, quite the gathering of people who are like you know this girl she talks about knitting and she's so darn funny you know and if you run a Google. AdSense search, you can find out how many people are Googling knitting and that's your audience. Right. You, you know, so if you do stamp collecting and you want to do some comedy about it, you can, uh, it's the Google AdSense tool will tell you, like, who Googles that. And uh, comedy is an amazingly popular Google. Uh, mm. You know, so that's what tells me it's, it's just a giant audience out there for comedy and they're unsatisfied. They're they, they don't have their favorite comedian. They, they have the ones where, that are currently available. And while they enjoy them all, they, they can't possibly be satisfied, especially if you're listening to this going like, I've always wanted to try comedy. 
your audience is waiting. And, and if you haven't gotten your funny original art out there to them, then they are unsatisfied. There are your jokes that are staying within you and not hitting a microphone, and they sure, certainly should be. You know, think of all the different kinds of comedians we don't have. Right. You know, uh, it, I, it's hard for me to name my favorite Muslim comedian. You, you know, hard for me to name, you know, my favorite. Uh, There's uh, a great one from Atlanta. Right. I, I don't remember his name. Young kid, he's funny as hell. Right. You um, know, and, and he, uh, you know, being a minority myself, it's like it's, we all, it's like, it's the worst feeling in the world when it's like people can name and you're like, oh, there's that one. Yeah. You know, right, right, the, right. the okay. gay bear comedians. It's like, you know, there's that one and so uh, the other one in that town. And that's uh, the biggest thing that will uh, a paradigm shift in comedy will be that people will Google will do the job of taking all of your hobbies and searches and delivering you a comedian that makes you laugh over it. Mm. And your job as a comedian, if that's your goal, is to get your jokes out there in a way that Google and Bing and the others can, you know, determine what they are and deliver them to the, you know, next best audience member. That's the way I see it. Yeah. It's cool, man. And this is how you teach your classes, just like this, huh? Uh, yeah, it's, I use Bloom's taxonomy to build lesson plans. Uh, I really do outline like a plan and a strategy. This summer I'm reading a book called Small Teaching, uh, where it's about breaking down the assignments into small bites. I'm looking at a software from Adobe that is where, uh, I made the play on words, small bites, like B-Y-T-E-S, computer mm. bites. Uh, people are not converting from the smartphone to the tablet. Uh, it's in e-learning. Professors really want you to sign in using your desktop computer or a tablet and certainly not your smartphone. And that's great. You, you know, professors and instructional designers can demand that. They can write big, long papers about that. It's just uh, the 300 million smartphone users are not wrong when they say we're not going to pick up the tablet. Yeah. Uh, they're just not. And so uh, the new way of teaching is through the smartphone, and it's got to be in small bites that can deliver. In foreign countries like Nigeria, there's a power issue, never mind an Internet issue. Sometimes the power is off for three and four hours a day. Um, you know, the person does not have unlimited Wi-Fi and unlimited data. So uh, you, the future is in – and that's what I'm trying to learn is how to deliver this inside say short microbursts and uh you know i'm learning how that that benefits like the book small teaching is teaching me uh, this week we're we're trying to learn how to teach the word gig and it seems so simple you're like here's what a gig is but after you do that you can really start working the brain and you making those synaptic connections. So the difference between an expert and someone who's brand new is an expert has made a lot of connections in their life. If you if you build model railroads and you've been doing it forever and coaching people and teaching people how to do it and you've worked at a model railroad store, you're constantly being asked questions about model railroading and your brain is always building new connections to the new information. And that's why it's awesome to talk to you as an expert when you're new, you don't have those synaptic connections. So my job is to build little exercises, any little activity that you can do 
to keep you thinking during a week about a gig. So how do you get a gig? What do you do with a gig? What does a customer want from a gig? What does your audience want after they leave the gig? How do you feel satisfied when you about your audience leaving that gig? Now we're getting into you know, six, seven levels of thinking about it. It's not just, and that came from, uh, you know, a customer saying they were having problems with comedians showing up for gigs. So comedians were booking gigs, but then not showing up. They're right. like, can you please solve this? And you go, all right, I guess we're going to have to teach people the absolute basics. And when, when I look at it, as I start it, I start to hear the feedback of people going like, man, nobody puts this stuff out there. Like, just the simple definition of a word like comedians sort of a lot of comedy gets taught through podcasting and such like that you know so people like they'll listen to something and they'll absorb it but nobody's really writing anything down and reteaching it the rules still seem to be hidden you, mm. you know so i'm trying to get to this point where i'm able to put out concepts and go like look this some of this stuff doesn't have to be a secret. You know, a gig is a gig is a gig. You right. know? And after that, there's a lot of art in how you service the gig. And there's some of it, there's absolutely no art in it. Showing up early is not artistic. It's just professional. You, you know, uh, knowing where the gig is the day before is not artistic. It's just professional. Right. Uh, and so, you know, uh, contacting a gig a ha 30 days before it and making sure is there anything else I can do to get it promoted, that's just professional. Uh, uh, but it, it, if there's, you, can, you can determine that there isn't a lot of training out there that helps people learn those basic skills. So that's what I'm trying to do is build a platform where y you can get on board and learn about a gig on day one and then more importantly work with other comedians and build your skills on delivering the gig it's a, even an open mic you should be able to walk in and play like a rock star deliver top-notch comedy at an open mic make it a memorable thing for the audience that's there so that when you go to the comedy club you're not guessing at how to do that you're experienced in practice at, you know being a, a amazing on stage that's I think generally the goal. Do you know who Sean Patton is? Mm -hmm. So he came to Asheville. I was the host at his show. Oh, great. And so the night before, he and he did my podcast, which awesome. was super generous of him. Yeah. But, yeah he's, he's, he's he is a quite prince. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is yeah. so cool. And um, and he did it with pleasure too. You right. know, he didn't just do it. Like right. and he really dove in. Right. Like, he went in deep. It was a great. lot of amazing people like that in yeah. comedy. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. That's, you know, like if you're afraid of getting into comedy, Earlier today, I had a phone call from somebody who just was terrified about what it's like to do comedy. And it's just like, oh, come on. Don't, you know, like, yeah. don't knock us like that. There's yeah, yeah. really a lot of awesome people that no, you're denying yourself awesome access yeah. to. They might not be famous, but come on, Sean is famous. He, we're two strangers, and here we are talking about him, you know. Yeah, and exactly. He, yeah. he makes his impact by being kind. Obviously, he's funny. Sure, you can Google him and decide whether or not that's your funny. But you can also say kudos to him for being routinely city by city accessible and really cool to to yeah. the, to what you might call the local industry. Yeah, yeah. No, he was great. And he showed up at an open mic. His his gig was on a Wednesday. He showed up and he just he had a plenty of time in town. Uh -huh. So he showed up and did this open mic on Tuesday. And kind of, you know, 
made the night and ruined it for anyone who had to go after him. You know, right? Like, I went about four or five comedians after him, so it was okay. The room had, had right, had, had right. kind of come back to normal. You right. know, uh, like he's a, he's like a guy who speeds through a no wake zone. You know, right. and it just takes a while for the the shore to absorb the waves. Right. You know, people right. can go back to normal. Um, but what I really learned from him among many things. But when I watched him do that particular gig, the room was pretty empty. Mm -hmm. Like these comics were getting up and leaving this new, I was like, don't leave. She's like, why are you going up? I'm like, it doesn't matter when I go up. You're not going to want to mix, miss this next guy. She's new. You know, right, I didn't right. want to miss Sean Patton yeah, yeah. doing 15 minutes for free at the auditorium in Asheville. You know, uh -huh, it's like, uh -huh. so, so he got up and he kind of, you know, just talked about this picture of him on the back <laughs> wall for a minute, you know, and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to do real material. I just like, he had a funny story about this picture that was used for the poster. And, and then, uh, he fucking crushed it. Right. You know, in front of 20 people. Right. But it was so, so, so good. Yeah. And he performed as if he was performing for a thousand. People, right. You know, and I right. just was like, this is what a professional comedian is like, yeah. not just his, not just that his material is solid, right. but his delivery and his stage present and everything was a hundred percent in spite of the fact that the room was half empty. It right. didn't, didn't matter. Right. And the rest of us are like, ah, it's not a good room tonight. You know, yeah. Like, you know, Shut it's up. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and that happens here in Denver. We got the cool kids and in it. I've spoken to Louisville and a few other cities where it's just, you know, uh, friends who are old school, you know, lament that certain people may not have the, the same passion. And I don't want to dwell on that. I'd rather, you know, make connections where it, it's when you run your show and when you perform at a show, when you show up at an open mic, play to the top of your ability, play the big game, yeah. give that crowd, the, the audience of two, the thrill of the lifetime. And if you can't, then practice that. Right. Uh, go into those open mics. I don't get the skill of going into an open mic to demonstrate to the back of the room your ability to read off your set list, uh, a series of jokes that obviously weren't funny enough for you to be able to remember. <laughs> when young comedians or new comedians, the hip squad, come and do my shows and they pull out, they, they read from their set list. Uh, I think Terry Barton Gregg was on your show. Yeah. You know, so I don't, in listening no, order, people it, have yeah. heard it. Uh, do not have someone like Terry Barton Gregg put you on a show of one of mine and give you a nice little rookie spot she's going to pay you you're going to have money before you even go on stage sometimes in an envelope with a thank you note like you're going to get more courtesy than you've ever gotten right and so if terry is doing all of that for you why would you if i'm a host of a show i'm a fucking good host yeah. you know why would you take that opportunity and then in front of my audience uh, read from your notes because uh, I, I can look at young comedians and be like, man, if your jokes were at all good, I think you would remember them. Like if, if why don't you just do the ones on my show that you can remember that are amazing. And if that only adds up to a minute, then I promise you I'll cover. I, right. I will wing it and I will cover with better than you've got looking at your notebook for the next one that you couldn't re apparently couldn't remember yeah. in a moment when you needed to remember. And I think it's just, uh, that's kind of the way stand-up is right now. There's a certain amount of uh, hip cleverness. It's uh, too good to do anything 
well. Right. And so, you know, reading from their notebook, amazing jokes about rape and other awesome topics that they're just so clever about. Uh, you know, to me, it's like, man, why don't you figure out how to say the word gay without making uh, anybody beat you up? Right. That's difficult. Um, but, you know, to do your joke about rape, it's like, oh, come on. That's, that topic has been whipped into the ground. There's enough podcasts about people complaining that we've overdone this topic. You, you know, the, the, the idea of working in the back of the room and saying something that's so edgy that makes a group of cynical comedians laugh, uh, you know, more power to you. Any of us who are good have that skill. Right. What about getting that audience and right. making that like turning a night where there's all that sh like there's that not nobody's having fun where all the same old comedians are there reading the same old bits off this. I, you know, I haven't seen anybody ever really do a new one off that little notebook set right. list. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're always just doing the same old ones. Well, that's really you know, yeah, that's. You know, of course, I've seen people do really do new ones, but you know, generally the Notebook Squad, they're just they're doing that because they're lazy. Yeah, they're not performing the joke because they've already let you know they're lazy. You know, and they come from that uh, the generation that we gave them participation, participation trophies, trophies for everything. Yeah, right, yeah. And it's, there's no participation trophy in comedy because you know a set like Sean's will show you. Yeah, like that. Uh, and I like doing that myself too. Like you, if you hit an open mic and you're an old school pro and all of a sudden you take it up to that next level, I'm one to tap the microphone and go, you know, it wasn't broken. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you guys were doing with it, but it certainly wasn't broken. Uh, to be really like on behalf of the audience, like for those of us who are audiences at open mics, we are really tired of, you know, hearing new comedians tell us that we're not great as an audience because right. we're not getting you're very brilliant, poorly structured material. Like, uh, you know, either structure your material in a way that's so amazing. You know, Jim Jeffries, the, the guy gets quoted by sources like the Washington Post and New York Times. So not only can the guy say the C word and talk about guns in a way that, you know, is will make people guffaw, make other people completely irate, it doesn't matter. He's also doing it so excellently that he's like a legitimate source. Right. In political art, uh, articles, op-eds will, will quote him. And that's excellence in, you know, using wild words to sort of shock the audience. Uh, so unless you're getting to there, I, you know, I'm one who's like, come on, you know, like do something a little bit sharper. And, I, you know, I can't remember the Jim Jeffries special where he read from his notebook. You know, so Sarah Silverman, mm -hmm. her new special, she had her notes on stage. Right. I was blown Garofalo, away. Garofalo, you know, when I started, was one with notebooks. Yeah, she came. I saw I, her and she brought I a notebook. I recorded she a special time, that flopped, no. you know, and I lost my place twice in it. So I'm no one to talk. You know, I understand why people want to use notes. Sarah Silverman has a thing. You know, like I would believe notes in her, in her special. She does not put out that same sort of bond with the audience. You know, she's like an artistic coffee shop type comedian. I, I, I would believe her doing a special at a coffee shop reading from notes. Right. And I don't want to knock that. Like, 
The, she's Sarah Silverman, and she's done her time excelling at comedy without using notes. So if somebody's going to use notes, I think there's a, there's a time and a place for it. Um, it's just if, you're, if they're a crutch, yeah. they, they better be a prop like a crutch right yeah you, you know if they're if you're you ben kronberg is is a guy who makes reading out of his notebook a real art and so when i, I have students who want to read from notes and it's like man unless you're kronberg like put your little notebook away like i've seen that guy develop what he was doing with the notebook so right. you know uh i i just think it's one of those things where it, it if you haven't put artistic brilliance behind it, then at least admit that. Like, if you're right. just reading the notebook because you can't remember shit, then, like, don't spend any more time trying to sell me on how creative that is. Like, yeah. it's yeah, a yeah, true, yeah. you know, it, it's it's as unentertaining as it is. And if Sarah Silverman makes it entertaining for you, and that's awesome. You know, because what if she really did have seven or eight new ones sitting right on the top of that notebook and a set list that she's like, well, this thing just keeps changing and I want to have it written there. She's she's the style of comedian you would expect to be reading from her notebook, mm. you, you know. Uh, if it's uh, well, it was it, just a pat. It was just like a set list, right? You know, right? Um, but I just thought it was interesting, you know. I, and I heard her. I I listen to interviews with comedians all the time, and I heard an interview with her when she was talking about her first special, Jesus is Magic, which uh -huh. was fucking phenomenal, and. Uh, she she was talking to Chris Rock about it, and he's like, "How many times are you gonna you know perform it before you film?" And she's like, "I don't know, five or ten or something like that." He's like, "What?" He's like, "You got to do it fifty times, you know, hundred times," and she just didn't. Right. And and it came out great. Um, now this new one, which also which was good with moments of great, is how I would describe her mm -hmm. new special. And I'm no one to talk. I mean, I'm a huge fan of hers, so I'm, right. I'm not being critical or judgmental. I, you know, it wasn't Jesus's magic, and uh, and I just saw Chris Rock the other day mm -hmm. perform in a, in a casino. Like his kind of workshopping jokes is a casino. First he does yeah. some shitty clubs yeah. in the middle of the country. Right. And when he gets it good enough, then he'll do, you know, two, 3,000 seat places uh -huh. until he's finally ready to shoot the special. Right. And then, you know, then he'll shoot it in front of five or 10,000 people or whatever. But I was listening to an interview with him from a few years ago. And he said, you know, they asked him, like, how many times will you do a set before you shoot it? And he's like, well, I'll, I've probably done it like, you know, 100 to 150 times in a theater. And before that, I probably did it 100 times in bars. Right. You know, so by the time he shoots a special, he's done that material and it's been evolving. Mm -hmm. But he's done the material 250 times. Right. You know? And like, it is just so tight and there's no need for anything i mean he's living sleeping dreaming right those bits and and that's like a solid hour hour and a half show that he's doing yeah know? like yeah. not five minutes no and uh and he's got the whole thing dialed in it's it's just it was really fascinating um and i'm not criticizing one over the other but it's a very different sort of work ethic approach to like getting to the point of the special like right right you know what's involved in getting there and he's like i'm not going to film until i've done this 200 times 300 times right right that's nuts i it, great I'm, nuts it's great yeah, nuts. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on his side like it's I, just... I am too and you, you know i guess to give it some closure and, and you know to go back to 
Facebook Live is even, you know, like even Chris Rock has got to figure out in the next 10 years, like, what's he, maybe he doesn't have to Facebook Live, but <laughs> he's, you know, the odds of that entering his, his career path is, is going to be there. Um, someone like Sarah as well could, could definitely use something like Facebook Live at a few of the tapings beforehand to right. even generate the, like, here's the material I'm bringing in. And we as an audience get to consume and decide and discern, like, which do we like? Do we like watching comedians that do all that honing and preparing? And you may not tune into them. You go like, well, I don't watch his Facebook Live because I just, I just want to see what comes out on the special. Or you might, you know, follow your favorite comedian and consume everything they're doing while they create their big finale piece, right. uh, you know. And if you're going to do the 250 rehearsal sessions, what I would suggest is also be thinking about how you can drop in at open mics and drop something for your weekly or daily social media audience. Mm. So by going to the clubs and practicing and maybe not putting that out there for anybody to consume so that you can hone it a la Chris Rock and get 300, you know, shows in on a set and then put it out there where, you know, you can look at what Silverman is doing and decide for yourself. Do you want to be a notebook comedian and walk out there with just a scaffolding of ideas and create some genius? I don't think we should deny either route. You, yeah. you, you know, because if if somebody's able to brainstorm a series of ideas and take a notepad up to the stage like Silverman and then deliver outstanding, you know, guffaw after guffaw like rock, who are we to say we wouldn't enjoy that? We definitely would. You know, yeah. like we definitely would. And instead of like my view on teaching comedy is. It's not up to me to tell you how to do it. It's kind of up to me to tell you there, uh, all of the ways you can consider doing it and then help you hone whatever it is you, you've settled on or what, whatever it is you're currently working on. Uh, that's, that's where I see it. Why did you get into comedy in the first place? Uh, I was uh, I had flunked out of college. I delivered the letter to my family about four days previous and Nobody was speaking to me. My parents were so pissed at me. And my brother's girlfriend was visiting for dinner. And somehow I was getting laughs, like lots of laughs. And to the point where my father actually had to laugh. And she, my brother's girlfriend, was she, his ex-wife now, she was crying. And she was like, you should be a comedian. And I it's just like, ding, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. And so the next day, it was like, I had my little legal pad out. Uh, I, like just as if the congressman himself had said to me, like, I want you to figure out how to become a comedian. And I called Nick's Comedy Stop. A woman named Blind Rita uh, answered. She, she's a Facebook friend, and people who know who she is know why I'm saying it. She's the sweet angel. And she answered the phone, and she told me the story years later. She's like, you were so adorable. And I remember what I said. I said, how does one become a comedian? <laughs> and she was just like, she told me everything. She's like, you have to tell your own jokes, be original. Here's when you do your set. I'll never be nice to you again. Call it these times. I'll be mean. 
make sure you're prepared. Don't waste my time. And, you know, like just she right. was honest and she wasn't ever really mean. But it's like yeah. when you get 500 phone calls from people who are, you know, hollering at you to get you to book them, you know, it's like you, you, you get a little gruff, you know. So she was just preparing me for how to get booked. Right. And she told me everything I needed to know about being, a, you know, a great artist. Just be your own self and be very funny. Don't do anybody else's jokes. And it's okay. You know, like you're just trying. The open mic is for you to try. And so I played Nick's Comedy Stop. She told me who else to call, you know, so I called a few other bookers. And within months, it was like, after my first show, I loved it. After my third show, I was definitely in love with it and started producing my own shows and just never stopped. Like, it's, you know, like I've never had a girlfriend. <laughs> it's always been uh it's been the love for my life you know and i, I don't know that i'm ever going to get married you know it's just i got this one girl her name's stand-up comedy and i love her oh my god i love that last sentence i feel so fortunate to have had this one-on-one -on -one time with chuck what a generous soul speaking of generosity if you like what you heard don't be afraid to make a donation on our donation page Visit our website, use our Amazon portal, and rate us on iTunes. Make sure you tell your friends about learning to fail and encourage them to tell theirs. That way, we can all keep failing freely. What I want to know, and I don't, you know, I don't usually use this as a platform for promoting people's businesses, but you do offer online classes. Yeah. And so just give me a minute so people can know, because I think after listening to you really dump a lot of wisdom True. people might actually want to oh yeah study uh, so comedy101.chuckroy.com is the website okay um there are summer memberships available uh and so that because this is likely you know folks could be listening to this in 2018 um i i don't think i'm gonna get out of the subscription model so uh you you'll Whenever you're looking at this website, look at what I'm offering for memberships and decide what's right for you. Uh, so uh, I'm basically building the pricing on uh, can you join me live or not? Mm. If you can join me live, I strongly suggest you do that. And uh, the classroom is limited to 100 seats at most. I, I don't see it growing to the point... I can see where I might be doing 10,000 people at some point, but that'd be something different. Uh, uh, but if you can join me live, then take the advanced or pricier membership. If you can't, then take the lowest cost membership, and that way you'll have access to the materials after they record and after they post. And okay. uh, you'll have the opportunity to ask questions. Uh, we're working on tailored and customized education plans. Uh, you might... It, it, by the time you're hearing this, we might have been able to install our new software from this Adobe. Is not, this is going to launch before a year from now. Right, right, <laughs> right. So it, it's up now. Yeah. It, you can go to uh, the classes are it, it run uh, all summer on Mondays uh, in June, July, August. And then I'm putting out a new set of courses by fall and I think on more days of the week. And really the, the benefits of the website run too. I'm thinking of you in either one way or the other. Yeah. You can either join me live and that will be slightly more expensive, but you're there and you can ask me questions or you can't, uh, you can't join me live. Right. And then you, there's just a different way of asking me questions. We have to use a discussion board or email or something. Uh, 
but uh, the two price points are, are essentially going to be that. And then I, I do offer private coaching by the hour, uh, which is, you know, it's 250 bucks an hour, uh, but uh, you'll get tailored uh, custom lesson plans. Uh, that's something where I just assume you're probably buying more than once. And it, mm. either you've got a strong desire, like you need to talk to me for over an hour and you've got the money to do it, that's great. But generally for that, I'm looking at people who, you know, if, are you putting together your Netflix special and you right. want my consulting? I, I, I'm offering it for 250 online. And then uh, the, the cheapest thing would be get a get the basic membership and study at your convenience, at your time. And, you know, uh, my email is chuck at chuckroy.com. Send questions, and we'd like to know. 